We are talking Green Bay Packers on today's Peacock and Williamson, an esteemed colleague and guest, Peter Bukowski, <laughs> who hosts numerous shows here on the Locked On Podcast Network and is also the host of Locked On Packers and a Green Bay Packers expert. Let's get into the pack here in 2022. Coming up right now. You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Prime Peacock, Matt Williamson, and our guest Peter Bukowski today at TV Peacock at Williamson NFL at Peter underscore Bukowski on Twitter is where you can find us and uh, yell at us if you don't like what we're saying today. But I think you're gonna you're gonna love it. And Peter, I don't know how we ended up with the Green Bay Packers color scheme here on Peacock and Williamson. It's kind of the network color scheme, as you can tell by my <laughs> locked on shirt here. So that was by accident. We are not a Green Bay Packers podcast, but we are today because we're talking about the NFC North, the Green Bay Packers. And uh, I want to start with this one because I've seen some whispers on Twitter and some folks. Um, around the the sports world who are, who are get, who one of the things we do especially in the off season peter is we want to give credit to someone mm. kind of want to people get brought down as other people get propped up who's really important here is aaron Rodgers even that important matt lafleur you come in to three 13 and three back-to-back seasons right and i've heard that aaron Rodgers' resurgence is strictly because of the coach as if the first decade of Aaron Rodgers career didn't exist how important is Matt LaFleur to what's going on with the Aaron Rodgers late career surge well of course you had the flip side of this too where you have people saying well I don't know how good Matt LaFleur is because he has Aaron Rodgers and so I think the the best way to parse it and and this is actually something we've talked a lot about on my show um really since 2019 since Matt LaFleur showed up we were sort of like okay what's what's he going to do how can he help get Aaron Rodgers back to being Aaron freaking Rodgers. That's sort of the the joke. Aaron F and Rodgers versus Aaron Rodgers. Because for, what, six, seven years, he was the guy with the expletive in the middle of his name. And then for like two and a half, three years, he was not really that guy. And so when you you look at the guy he was in, in 17 and 18, and even parts of 19, when Matt LaFleur got there, he's just a different player than the guy that we saw the last two years. And so part of that is, Aaron Rodgers, right? You have to give the the all-time great player has to get a, a, a large portion of that credit because what he did was he bought in. He bought into what Matt LaFleur was trying to sell him. You need to play under center more. You need to play action more. You need to play on schedule and on time more. Enough of this dance, dance, break the pocket and try and make a play. That You're not 23 anymore. You're not Patrick Mahomes' age anymore. You need to play on rhythm and within the confines of the offense. And I'm going to make your life easier when you do that. And so it was a give and take. And Aaron Rodgers just talked about this. The idea of he goes in and he tells Matt LaFleur, hey, I don't like this, this part of this player. I don't like this play. And Matt LaFleur is willing to say, here's why this works. And pull up examples and, and, and break it down. There was all of this reporting you may remember um, from from Ty Dunn at Bleacher Report at the time, and in fact, we just had him on Locked on Packers, that Aaron Rodgers did not respect the intellect of Mike McCarthy, the football intellect of Mike McCarthy. Yeah. And yeah. he's he he respects the football intellect of Matt LaFleur. And I thought it was so fascinating. He, at, at the MVP awards, and if you were unfortunate enough to watch that, 
Uh, I had to watch it for work. Um, but it, it, it was a big spectacle and Aaron Rodgers shows up like an extra from Yellowstone, but he gets choked up talking about his relationship with Matt LaFleur. I think that that it, it like for whatever, however you want to break down the, the scales, it is just, um, undeniable that his good relationship with Matt LaFleur has helped contribute to his better play on the field. And, and, and frankly, I think the times when he, um, plays his worst is when he's trying to play 2016 Aaron Rodgers, 2014, 2011 Aaron Rodgers, where he's trying to play hero ball and is at his best when he is running the offense because this is a very good offense. Matt LaFleur um, is a very smart play caller and play designer. He's a very aggressive coach. And I think those those fit with what Aaron Rodgers wants to be. But I think sometimes what Matt LaFleur has to convince him is play on time. Take the underneath. We're going to build in, hey, shot play, touchdown, check down, and get to that check down. Don't sit there and hold the ball and wait for that touchdown to come open. Get the ball into the playmaker's hands and let them go work. And that's been a huge difference for this team. I think that's extremely well said. I really have very little to add to it. You know, I think it goes without saying that Rogers kind of beats to his own drummer. You know, I mean, you need to connect with him on a personal level, a respect level, as you mentioned. You know, even back then, I remember him saying things like, all week at practice, I threw every ball without either foot on the ground. Like, that's not smart. You know, Brady doesn't do that. He works on his fundamentals. You know, like, are you bored? Or you do no respect for your surroundings? He's, you he is bored. New? It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, right. He, he, he's talked about this in training camp that he will, you know, there'll, there'll be a day where he throws five interceptions. And at this point in his career, no one bats an eye, but sure. he'll do that. And he'll do that on purpose with a young receiver to see, okay, can I trust this guy? Where can I put the ball that he's going to go find it? If I give him a 50, 50 ball, can I trust mm -hmm. him to go make a play? And it's not so much with him. Yeah, exactly. And it's not, he's yeah. not pushing his own limits because he knows where he can put the ball. It is, can I trust this guy to go get it? And that was something with Devontae Adams early in Devontae Adams' career that Devontae showed. And, and he didn't translate it onto the field until really 2016. He had a, a kind of brutal 2015 after that ankle injury. Um, and, and so you can earn, you know, there's this idea that rookies can't earn Aaron Rodgers' trust. Well, Devontae Adams had it. Randall Cobb had it. Um, some of these guys weren't as good. Jordy Nelson said, was, though, was not a great rookie. Go ahead. I think it's going to be a real uphill climb for Christian Watson to earn it. I mean, Why? he may have a fine career, but I think he's a very raw player. I don't think he's great at adjusting on the fly. He's coming from a small school. He's a toolsy, height, weight, speed guy with too many drops. I mean, I just think he's going to have a hard time being Aaron Rodgers will be early. I think you're right. I think you're right. Mm -hmm. And and what I was saying in, in OTAs in the spring was, you know, I, I think long-term Christian Watson can be a very talented player. He was someone pre-draft that I thought, okay, he needs time. But in terms of upside, he might have as much upside as any player in this draft, yes. um, any receiver in this draft. But I think Romeo Dubs is more likely to help this team in year one, um, or at least more ready to do that. What's interesting is they've both gotten some run with the ones. Part of that is obviously Devontae Adams is gone. Part of that was also Alan Lazard was not at OTAs, had not signed the re restricted free agent tender. He wants a deal and I think has earned a deal. Um, and, and, and they both showed some really nice things. I think both guys at, at various points in the offseason have shown some really nice things. I think Christian Watson is going to get more opportunities early 
We'll see if that translates to productivity. Um, the other part of this is we've, we've very limited and we've got what three days of mandatory mini camps when Aaron Rodgers is there. The rest is Jordan love. So how can we gauge where Christian Watson is when he's catching passes from Jordan love? And that's not even shade, shade on Jordan love. He's just not going to be catching passes from Jordan love in the regular season. Right, right. So we, we just can't ex- extrapolate to Aaron Rodgers Cause it's just, it's a, an entirely different thing. All right, we've got to get into a lot more here with Peter Peter Bukowski and those 2022 Green Bay Packers. Uh, Next question for me is going to be, who is that wide receiver one then? Will it be the rookie? Will it be Alan Lazard? Uh, Will it be somebody else in the Packers offense? Because their wide receiver one no longer exists in Green Bay. He's over in Las Vegas now with his college buddy, Derek Carr. So we'll get into that defensive side of the ball. NFC North next with Peter Bukowski. But i got to let the folks out there know about Rock Auto. And you might not think of yourself as a do-it-yourselfer when it comes to cars, and I certainly don't. But I've actually surprised myself with how well I've done some minor repairs on my vehicle, all because I know about rockauto.com and knowing that they have the the part I need for my vehicle and a little help from some YouTube clips to show you how to get that, uh, you know, that part installed. Usually it's easier than you think. So I've become a little bit of a do-it-yourselfer in fixing my own vehicle now because uh, you can save... 50%, 100% 50%, 100% markup for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership when you go to rockauto.com because Rock Auto prices are always reliably low for every customer. And instead of taking my car in to fix the fender flare that popped off when I ran over a cone and spending $500 at the dealership, spent 40 bucks on the part and popped it in myself and it was pretty darn easy. So you could do the same. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Big parts, small parts, of course, you're going to love Rock Auto if you're a professional and and you're doing work at home or uh, wherever you're doing car maintenance. Uh, man, fantastic selection, like an unbelievable selection for every car and truck at rockauto.com. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil. If you need new wiper blades, get your car in tip-top shape for the wintertime. You got to be able to see when you're out there on the road. Every car needs a pair of jumper cables in the trunk, right? So go to rockauto.com, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so they know we sent you go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Thanks again, everybody, for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. For your second listen, make sure you're checking out all the rest that the Locked On Podcast Network has to offer. Uh, like locked on 49ers, and that's about it, right? No, of course, <laughs> locked on Packers. Peter, you're locked on sports today. Matt Williamson doing the Locked On Dynasty podcast. Subscribe up on the Locked On NFL channel, is also the home of Peacock and Williamson, too, and you'll find all kinds of great things. Peter, keeping yourself busy, not only football, with all the other sports. Have you been Have you been having fun doing the Locked On Sports today and, and uh, reporting on everything else going on in the sports world? It's, you know, it's been a little bit more work trying to keep up, um, but it is, um, it is really fun. And, and I started out as a generalist in, in sports media. So it's, um, it's just exercising some old muscles um, and it's been, yeah, it's been really fun. I, what's really cool about our network, I think, and we can get to the football part of this in a second I, that I hear from so many people that tell me they listen to more than one locked on show. So they listen to Locked On Packers and they listen to Locked On NFL or they listen to Peacock and Williamson and Locked On Packers or Locked On Packers and Locked On Dynasty. There's there's just such a broad Locked On NFL draft or they or their NBA show. 
there, there's so many people that, that that I hear from that listen to multiple shows, which I just I think is great. It's a testament to our network. So thanks to everyone who who makes our shows any any listen, but but your first listen is the best. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's funny because I, I've told people this in the past and, you know, now covering just the NFL, it's kind of nice because before when I was covering multiple sports and I had to report on multiple sports, it, it actually does take up a lot of time. You got to yeah. watch a three hour game of this sport, a three hour game of this sport on the same day, same night. That's six hours that you're spending because you got to be in tune with what's going on. And sometimes that's just locally. Imagine covering nationally all the sports. So there's a lot of time that gets put in there and people are like, oh, boohoo, you're, you're forced to watch more sports. That's that's tough. But yeah, it does take a lot. Well, of then, you get divor- then you get divorced and you have more time. <laughs> right, exactly. That's, what I'm, that's, that's the cycle. That's the vicious cycle of right, right. Uh, working in professional sports. Uh, Peter, how big of a loss is Devontae Adams to the Green Bay Packers and who is that wide receiver one? Who is the player that fantasy football players should be selecting first out of that wide receiver group? And if I'm not mistaken, Peter, didn't Aaron Rodgers make a little comment? It kind of seemed like a throwaway comment. I haven't heard people talk a lot about it, but he basically said, Alan Lazard's ready to be the wide receiver one. He called it himself, did he not? He did. Um, and and it was something that I have I have actually t- been talking about for I would say two years now, not that, not that Alan Lazard is ready to be wide receiver one, but just that ready, he's ready to take on more in this offense. And I thought when they signed him, I was really excited when they snuck him off the the Jaguars practice squad that he had more to give in the NFL than, than he showed. There are people that wanted to, to move him to tight end. And I was just sort of like, can we just see what he can do at receiver? I mean, yeah, cool. You want to play him in power slot and, and split him out like that. Like fine. Cool. What, what makes him so unique is, He's the best run blocking receiver in the league. You can line him up as an H back. You can line him up in the slot and you can line him up wide. And he is just going to dominate his matchup physically in the run game. And then that sets up everything else. So you go back to the Rams game two, two years ago and they, they beat up the Rams front. They wanted to play all those two shell coverages. And the Packers said, fine, here's a steady dose of Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. And they they broke enough of those and they were productive enough that all of a sudden in the third quarter and the fourth quarter, those safeties who in those in, in that in that scheme have a lot of run responsibilities, they come flying downhill and it's play action touchdown to Alan Lazard. And it's that kind of stuff. And in fact, they hit that play twice. Um, Lazard dropped one of them and he caught the second one for the game ceiling touchdown. Uh, but the, if you look at the advanced numbers, like if you like DVOA and DYAR the way that I do over at Football Outsiders, they have loved Alan Lazard. They loved him in 2019. They loved him in 2020. And they loved him again in 2021. Um, I, I believe in 2020, he was the number one receiver in DYAR, um, even though he didn't qualify on the big, the big, it was like under 50 targets and over 50 targets. And he, he even so, even with such little targets, I think he would have been top 10 just in yards above replacement, even getting under 50 targets. So I think he's someone who can give more to this offense if you're doing more things to feature him. Um, I think that is the guy. Now, the question about how big a loss Devontae Adams is, I think is all going to be predicated on two things. How much better this year versus last year can the Packers run the ball? Because last year, they could not make teams pay for playing too high. They just, with all the injuries, with with Brian um, Brian Bulaga, he hasn't been on the team in years, with David Bakhtiari, <laughs> Bakhtiari. And, and Elton Jenkins gone, and, and Bakhtiari was gone the whole year, Elton Jenkins missed half the season, and you're playing all these backups plus a rookie right guard, 
they just couldn't dominate the line of scrimmage the way that that we're used to seeing them do in the run game. I think with both those guys presumably back this season, you're going to see a, a renewed emphasis in the run game. Um, and if they can do that, then all of a sudden, I think that opens things up for your for your other guys in the passing game. And then the second part of that is, what are you getting from the new players? And I don't mean just the rookies, Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins said he wants to prove this season, he wants to basically make up for lost time. He wants to make up for a career that has not gone the way that he wanted it to go and essentially wants to show people that he's still a really, really, really good receiver. And if he doesn't have to do that, but if he can be Kansas City, Sammy Watkins, if he can be LA Rams, Sammy Watkins, that's a really useful player when you have Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. So I think it's going to be a combination of those two things that that replaced Devontae Adams, but it's not a small feat. I mean, I was just saying this on my show yesterday. It's going to take internal improvement and it's going to take the Packers front office hitting on these guys plus, you know, a modicum of health, right? Randall Cobb has not stayed healthy throughout his career. Sammy Watkins has not stayed healthy throughout his career. Um, we'll see on, on Al Nazard. He's had some injury issues as well. So I, I think that's all, that's all part of it. But the number one driver of offensive efficiency is quarterback play. So you have Aaron Rodgers. If he plays 17 games, this is going to be a top 10 offense. I also think Aaron Jones is going to catch a million passes and be on all my fantasy yep. teams. But yes, <laughs> in, a, in a PPR league, I think Aaron Jones is a huge is a huge factor. And even going back to last year, I think he was second in targets on the team. I'd have to I'd have to double check that. Yeah. But he was certainly he was certainly top three um, in either targets or catches. He's just such a big part of this passing game. And if you go back and this game was just on NFL Network, which is why I'm thinking of it. You go back to like the Cowboys game in 2019 where he scored four touchdowns and he gave, remember he waved to the defender on the way to the end zone. (laughs) They, they built the whole plane out of Aaron Jones. And I think that you're going to see a lot of game plans like that. We've seen it already in the spring, AJ Dillon in the backfield, Aaron Jones split out both in the backfield. And now you've got pre-snap swing motion and it's an RPO where they can either do the inside give to AJ Dillon or run inside zone or it's a receiver screen to Aaron Jones, even though he's not a receiver. Well, that's really tough for defenses to handle. And I think that those are the kinds of wrinkles that you're going to see more of this season. Peter, is it time for the defense to carry the Packers a little bit here with uh, with all the talent they have on that side of the ball, adding a first-round uh, defensive lineman in uh, Devontae Wyatt, obviously Rashawn Gary becoming uh, sort of a star edge yep. player now for them and all the resources they put into the defensive backfield as well. Another first rounder with a, with a linebacker too. So like, you know, how many first rounders are on that side of the ball, by the way, you know, Stokes and Jair Alexander, obviously Darnell Savage. I, I, I feel like it's time for the, the defense now to bail out the offense. If it's not a juggernaut offense, at least to start the season. Yeah, Real quick I mean, guys, not, to, not to jump in again, but I'm not trying to be hot takey. I think the Packers are going to have the best defense in the league. I think it's going to be number one. I think I I've been, I've been saying, I've been saying yeah. since the draft, this is the most talented defense in football. Yeah. And so whether they are the best defense in football is going to be, is yeah. going to rely yeah. on a lot of factors. Right. And, and Joe Barry, I was actually pretty impressed with Joe Barry last year. If you go back and look at his, his defense against um, playoff quarterbacks last year, um, the only game they lost, we don't we don't talk about um, in this house um, against well, the playoff the quarterback. Packers could just not have to play the 49ers in the playoffs. How different would how many in, a, in a game where the defense <laughs> in a game where the defense was 
suffocating in a, in a game where Jimmy Garoppolo was begging to throw it away, two dropped interceptions, at least one potential pick six, probably two potential pick sixes dropped in that game for the Packers defense. But but to, to Brian's point, um, Darnell Savage, first round pick. Rashawn Gary, first round pick. Eric Stokes, Jair Alexander, first round pick. Kenny Clark, first round pick. Devontae Wyatt, first round pick. I mean, you talk about the investment on that side of the ball. And then they paid Russell Douglas in the offseason. They paid Devondre Campbell in the offseason. Adrian Amos came in on a nice free agent deal. And Preston Smith, uh, former, you know, former top 100 pick as well, who they gave a monster contract when he showed up in free agency. So this is this is the time for the defense to step up. And and I, I tweeted this out the other day. If you look at um, the top, I believe it was the top eight defenses last year by DVOA. Um, four of them were 23rd or worse the year before. And defense is volatile like that. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so you you add one or two players, like it's in Dallas, you add Micah Parsons, and, you know, Trayvon Diggs catches a couple more interceptions a year after that he dropped a bunch, um, and your defense can be awesome. And so, okay, the Packers get back Jair Alexander. Well, he's one of the, like, five best defensive players in the league, or he was in 2020. So... That's a huge upgrade in addition to Quay Walker. I think Jaron Reed right, is, right. is a really nice, yeah. is a really nice. I didn't even mention Quay Walker when I was talking about first round picks because they just took him. Um, I think Jaron Reed is a nice add for them. And then I think they have the best, I think they have the best one, two, three corner group in the league. I'm sure Ravens fans and Saints Great. fans have something to say about that. Um, Dolphins fans, maybe. I think they have the best one through five secondary in the league um, with Amos and, and Savage and, and then those three cornerbacks that I mentioned. So, this this defense is is really really talented, and I think if they need the Packers to be carried by their defense, they are capable of doing that. And that's the first time we can say that since 2010, maybe. Right. I mean, yeah. if you have a number one defense in Aaron Rodgers, I don't really care about the rest. They're going to be competitive. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, right. obviously, yeah, that's a pretty good can, start. You can and, and I, you run the ball a little bit. You can uh, you can wait a few weeks to figure out who that wide receiver one is going to be for Aaron Rodgers. Exactly. And that's part of it is buying time as there's a little transition there in the passing game. I, I think that's absolutely right. And it puts less pressure on those guys to perform right away. Like if you can if you can win games 13 to 10 and you can win games 20 to 17. I mean, this is what Tom Brady did his whole career and then just play good situational football at the end. Like that's, that's, that's really good. If you're a, a well-coached team and I think the Packers are, you have a really good quarterback Better and, special good teams defense, would help, though. and and your special teams <laughs> is not a raging tire fire. Better like they actually, they actually got help. great. If they got great defense in that playoff game and the special teams was an, a complete nightmare. Oh. Um, and what's interesting about that. And, and I'm glad you brought that up. Um, Cassidy Hill for the, for the, for Packers news um, wrote a really great piece essentially arguing that this is a cultural problem in Green Bay that goes back to Mike McCarthy, that they just didn't value special teams. Yeah, something. And you go back to the 2014 NFC Championship game against the Seahawks, the blown onside kick. They gave up a field goal, a fake field goal touchdown against the Seahawks in that comeback. It it was a, a special teams nightmare. The year they won the Super Bowl in 2010, everyone assumed their special teams was going to doom them because they were so bad on special teams. The culture is changing, and it's starting with Matt Lafleur, who who understands this is a serious problem. You bring you bring in Rich Bisaccia, who, you know, I, I don't think anyone is going to like put him in the Hall of Fame, but it is a cultural difference. It is an allocation of resources. They spent three day three picks 
on guys whose sole purpose this season is going to be special teams. Like they will, if, if they're playing defensive snaps, it's a problem. That's not what they're here for. They signed um, Keyshawn Nixon from the Raiders, from which Rit with who worked with Rich Bisaccia. His role this year is going to be a core special teams player. They just had never valued it this way. The Ted Thompson model was draft a bunch of new guys every year. Don't sign any free agents. And then those, those guys play special teams until they're ready to play football. And that's, that's a nice idea, but it turns out guys who have not played special teams since their sophomore year of high school, because none of these star players that go to the NFL played special teams in college, they're not ready to play special teams right away. And so it's just, it requires a different kind of mindset and they're finally allocating resources to, to that side of, of the game this year. Now, does it mean that's going to make a huge difference? I mean, I guess we'll see. Mason Crosby's still the kicker. They brought in a new punter. One of the reasons they brought in the new punter is because he's one of the best holders in the league, and they think that was a big issue for Mason Crosby last year. That they, um, what are they, are they? Matt Lafleur always calls it the process. We got to look at the process, and meaning the snap, the hold, the placement. Um, that the, the, you you need you need to get that all, that stuff all worked out, and it seems like those are the kinds of things that they're able to to focus on this season that they just haven't in previous years. Seems simple, but not everyone does it. Yeah, seems really simple, but some teams <laughs> can't figure it out. Uh, you especially. know what bad special teams looks like in San Francisco, too. It's 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 also uh, a good point that the two worst special teams in the NFL also made it to the playoffs pretty far. So you can still go pretty far without special teams, but at some point it's going to bite you and maybe at the worst possible time. Yep. Uh, and when the microscope's on you. Peter, can you hang out for like two more minutes? Sure. Okay, uh, next, we got to get Peter's opinions on the NFC North and which team might scare him uh, and compete with the Packers to win that division. But I got to let the folks out there know about Bet Online. You can bet on those Green Bay Packers to win the Super Bowl. Tons of NFL futures at betonline.net, your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Uh, your continued source for not just sports wagering, but uh, scores, news this season, live betting, esports, scores, celebrity boxing, <laughs> Adrian Peterson versus <laughs> Le'Veon Bell. I don't know how that's going to go, but I'm probably going to try to watch it. Yeah, MMA, boxing, uh, two golf leagues, and of course, Major League Baseball all summer long, and tons of props for the NFL season. So head over to Bet Online, use your desktop or mobile device to learn more about all the trends and action at Bet Online. Where? The game starts. All right, Peter, I'm going to put it to you simply. Which team in the AFC North scares you the most right now as competition for the Green Bay Packers who have owned that division? Uh, the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> the only team that is a, that's going to be a problem for Green Bay is Green Bay. They're just, I mean, the Lions are, are I think, are going to be better. They're a really nice story. I think they've got they've got an improving roster. I like what Dan Campbell has put together there from a culture standpoint, and I think that front office has built things the right way to, to date. I think um, the coaching staff is really good. Um, you know, Dan Campbell, not Billy X is a nose guy, but you bring in Aubrey Pleasant, you have a, a group of coaches, and then Brad Holmes in the front office. Like, I, I really like what they're putting together there. But they're, you know, they're they're two years away from being two years away. The the Browns have maybe the worst roster in the league. Like that roster is bad. So they're not really on the radar. I think, you know, it's, it's the Vikings, you know, it's, it's, mm -hmm. but that team was a lot scarier when Mike Zimmer was the coach because Mike Zimmer had a proven track record of making life miserable for Aaron Rodgers. 
And I, I think he's he's got the best record of any coach that's played Aaron Rodgers more than like six or eight times. He had the best record of anybody. Um, and that that I think it bears itself out when you when you watch the games like they they can even when one team was clearly better than the other. The defense always gave the Packers offense some issues because of the way Mike Zimmer handled that defense. Is that going to be the case this year with Ed Donatel, who Packer fans will remember from his inglorious exit from Green Bay when he was not a very good defensive coordinator? Um, I think that those are those are the kinds of questions that they have. The offensive line is still kind of a mess. The defense is not what it used to be in terms of personnel. I think they're like a nine-win team, maybe. Um, but because of the rivalry there, because of like they're the team that when you go into one of those games, especially at um, that that glass house that they built in Minneapolis, um, that their fans still throw stones from, that that that's where you're most concerned about dropping a game. Um, you always want those games to be in prime time because if they're in prime time, then Aaron Rodgers wins because that's what Aaron Rodgers does in prime time against divisional opponents. And I just saw a stat um, from Field Yates that uh, that Aaron Rodgers has not thrown an interception against NFC North opponents over the last two seasons, but has like 32 touchdowns or something crazy like that. Wow. So, um, yeah, he they 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 own this division until further notice. Um, and, um, Aaron Rodgers made that clear. He said it on national TV when he told everyone that he owns the bears. So, uh, I, I think that's, that's going to continue this season. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I it mean, really feels like those, those, those teams that are a couple years away, it's just like kind of waiting. Let's, let's wait till Aaron Rodgers is done. And then maybe the bears and the lions will be good. But until then we're just kind of trying to build this thing and, and slowly build a foundation. feels like both those franchises are in the same mode. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that I love the Matt Eberflus hire for Justin Fields. Um, I, I don't think that is, that is projecting stability for him, but then again, it's a new front office. Like Ryan Poles might not love Justin Fields. And so the, the fact that they did not support him in any way, isn't that weird to you guys? Like the offensive line is still a nightmare. Um, I, I think, I, I think Matt, you and I are going to have to play receiver for Chicago at some point this season. Um, I mean, they, they took his job. <laughs> I mean, they took Equinemius, they signed Equinemius St. Brown and he's immediately in there too deep. And he was on the Packers right. practice squad for most of last season. And like, that's the guy it's Darnell Mooney, Byron Pringle and EQ. Like those are their receivers. And Mooney is a nice secondary deep threat kind of receiver, but you can't run your offense through that guy. And Cole Komet has been disappointing. And then the defense, like I said, they just they they have hemorrhaged players. Khalil Mack's not there anymore. It sounds like they're interested or at least open to trading Robert Quinn. So, I mean, th that team just has no talent on it. I think the Lions are are their their three year outlook is more appealing to me because they're going to have the resources to go make a decision at quarterback, and they're going to have a better team when they find that quarterback. And and you know, I think Jared Goff is a little underrated at this point. I don't think he's I don't think he's good. But I think we act like he's a joke, and I don't think he's a joke. I mean, I think he's a he's a fine bridge quarterback. You know, we we fall all over ourselves thinking a team like the Broncos, when they get Teddy Bridgewater, um, is is going to somehow be fixed, or or the Panthers with Sam Darnold. And it's like, I would I would take Jared Goff over either of those guys pretty easily. Yeah, I would too. No, that's a good point. I got one quickie for you. Going back to Packers, we mentioned in the first segment talking about quarterbacks. Do we know anything more about Jordan Love than when he was drafted? Or is he going to be a backup forever? Is he ever going to get moved? What's going? I know nothing about him. Uh, no, we don't know. 
I mean, we don't know. Okay. And, the, and the Packers <laughs> okay. and the Packers don't know. I mean, we, we heard this last year from the team. They're like, we don't even really know what to expect because we haven't seen him in those modes because he gets drafted into the worst season to get drafted into as a quarterback imaginable with COVID. You get yeah. no live reps. You get no in-person teaching. You get no mechanical work. I mean, let's not forget how much mechanical work Aaron Rodgers needed. I mean, he held the ball up here, you know, when he when he came out of Cal. He had to go to what Mike McCarthy had called quarterback school. And Mike McCarthy's quarterback school became, was actually from the sort of like Bill Walsh tree quarterback school, but it became the envy of the league. Teams came from, from miles around to watch Mike McCarthy coach these quarterbacks. To, to not have that is really, I, I think, you know, deleterious to your development. Last year, um, we saw some flashes. I thought in the preseason games he played, I thought he played well against the Texans. And I think people forget he played against the Bills when the Bills kept their number one defense out there the whole first half with Trey White when he was healthy. And the Packers moved the ball with Malik Taylor as their number one receiver. And, you know, like Patrick Taylor as their running back. And Kylan Hill. And backup offensive lineman because Bakhtiari is not healthy and Elton Jenkins wasn't playing. I guess the, the, the defense that turned out to be the best in the league. He had a he had a cover two hole shot in the two minute drill to Malik Taylor that I thought was more impressive than almost any throw we saw a rookie make. You know those high profile rookies, the Mac Joneses, the the Justin Fields, the Trevor Lawrence's. That high level arm talent is there. For him, it's about confidence and it's about it's about can you just can you just command the huddle? Can you command the team? And from what I've been told, they were really happy with the spring Jordan Love had. Aaron Rodgers wasn't there for a lot of it. He doesn't He doesn't blow anybody away in practice. But the thing about, about him is in the games and from what we've seen, you know, the one start against Kansas City, he played about a quarter against the Saints, about a quarter against the Vikings in blowouts, and about a half against the Lions. And what I really like about him is he consistently throws to the right guy. And that's that's the biggest thing for for a young quarterback is do you know where to go with the football? And he consistently gets to the right guy. I think from the, that's the foundation you need. From there, we can fix matching your feet to your eyes. We can fix, um, you know, if we need to make your arm a little stronger. Joe Burrow added like three or four miles an hour to his to his ball over over last offseason. So um, I don't think that's a problem for Jordan Love, but I, I think those things are fixable. It's the processing that we wanted to see out of Utah State, right? I'm sure you when you when you watched the tape, you went, "Is he seeing the field cleanly?" He would miss Especially underneath defenders, right? He would miss underneath great, defenders. Right? Yeah. He would force the ball on the outside and throw these these wobbly picks. He didn't he didn't make those kinds of decisions in in the games that we saw him. Every once in a while, he'll yolo try and try and make a play, but that's also who he is, and you you want that. He likes that about his game. Green Bay likes that about his game. So I'm excited to see him in the preseason. The Packers, from what I've been told, were not even listening to trade offers on love. It's not that no one called. It's that they were just like, don't talk to us. We'll, you know, we'll figure this out next year when they have to make a decision on his fifth-year option. But they're, they're not ready to move on from him at all. That is Peter Bukowski. Peter, I got to thank you for sticking around a little bit longer than we originally asked you because uh, you're so good. We had to keep this conversation going. And by the way, for those of you that didn't catch it, deleterious. That's what... That's the kind of uh, verbiage that Peter Bukowski brings to the program, causing harm or damage, if, if, you, uh, if you didn't catch that one. <laughs> Peter Bukowski, find him after you listen to Peacock and Williamson for your first listen every day. He's doing Locked On Packers, doing Locked On Sports today. Peter, always a pleasure. Thank you so much, man. Thanks, guys.
Matt and I back tomorrow right here. Peacock and Williamson.